Welcome to track number eight of the Mega Church. Thank you for your word today. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. Now, I want us to remove the pulpit from here. And we are all going to come up here one after the other. And we are going to quote scriptures. Wow. And we are starting with Ben. Now, you remember the scriptures I gave you from Romans? You're going to sit on this chair. And you're, going to, you're not allowed to ask anything outside Romans. So when the person comes here, right, you guys are going to just fire him. All right? And consider yourself, when it's your turn, you will also receive the same treatment. Okay? So Ben, just arrive. When you get one correct, you can come back to your seat. Okay? Please be seated. Now, how many have been blessed so far? Keys to getting the anointing. Is that not so? What was the last? What are the steps to getting the anointing? Principle of the vessel change. Next step. What? Seven to next step. Receiving a father. Next step. Following the man of God closely. Next step. Laying on of hands. So if somebody says you should get the anointing, do you know what to do? Ben, what would you do? You receive it. Yeah, but what do you do? Follow the man of God closely. Huh? Be a servant. What else? Get your hand, hands laid on you. Don't miss the opportunity. Next. Receive the person as a father. Very good. Next. Huh? Adapt yourself so that you become a changed vessel. Huh? In a large house, there are, there are many vessels. There are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Second Timothy 2.20. Amen. Now, we want to continue. And we are going to look at a very important key. Now, we started by the vision. After that, you had the reasons. Now we have what? The keys. Is that not so? Do, we, do you have that? Let's, let's get a small part of your notebook for the, if you like, for the um, contents. You know how it is. You have at the beginning the chapters. You get it? So chapter 1 is the vision. Alright? So just get a place. So that anytime we come up with a new, what do you call it, you can remember, you can sort of have the thing ordered out. So just get a space and 
Right, contents, Canadian camp, premier Canadian camp. Contents, chapter one is what? The vision. The book is called The Mega Church. Is that not so? Chapter one is the vision. Chapter two is what? The reasons. Chapter three is what? The keys. Well, chapter three is the keys, but now I'm giving you the keys. And the key is the anointing, isn't it? So key number one, so the keys. So key number one, the anointing. So under the keys, we have key number one, which is the anointing. Amen. Now we want to move to key number two. Which is loyalty. Amen. Now Pastor Andy has been teaching you about loyalty. Is that not so? What has he been teaching you? John, you remember? Loyal to the church and the pastor. But do you remember the topic, the subject? What was it called? Lessons on loyalty. Ten lessons on loyalty. Huh? Loyalty is not a receiver of complaints. Loyalty is a higher authority. Loyalty is what? Does not withhold information. What else? Good. Loyalty means doing the right thing. Loyalty demands analysis. Good. Loyalty will cost you material things. Is it true? Cost you friends. Does it cost you friends? <laughs> Okay. Good. So what about have you done why loyalty? Okay. So the key, the next key to the mega church is loyalty. And it now step key number one. Why now the question is why is loyalty a key to church growth alright why is loyalty a key to the mega church alright reason number one why loyalty is an important key write it that way if you want why loyalty is an important key there are two people here who are going to get married soon Apart from anybody you know who is going to get married. Some people think you know some people who is going to get married. But the Lord just showed me that there are two other people here who are going to get married soon. Amen. So, believe it. I said believe it. Do you want it? It's real. Good. Now, why do you think loyalty is an important uh, what key for church growth? Why? Huh? Why, Ben? Loyalty brings stability. Great. Now, notice, I'm going to give you the reasons. Okay, reason number one. Because loyalty is the principal 
qualification for every minister. Amen. And I'm just teaching you out of this book right here. Got a copy. Amen. Are you there? Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Huh? People are doing, huh? Oh, some people know it. You've taught them already. First Corinthians, who's quoting it for us? Yes, Nakoshi. Moreover, you see, she knows the King James words. And I am commending very highly Nakoshi at this camp for being our most scriptural excellence sister award. I'm giving her that award. So please make it. I'll sign it next time I come and make it. Scriptural Excellence Award. Huh? Yes. Moreover, it is required of stewards that a man be found faithful. Amen. Now, it is required that a man be found faithful. Now, if John is going to pastor a church, I'm not interested whether he's a good singer or whether he's a, a very anointed with the gifts of healing. I just need a faithful person. Amen. That's all I need. I just need a faithful person. I have learned with experience to go God's way when I'm choosing people and I'm working with people. I don't need to have any special gifts. You know, like this person is really, uh, has, has a prophetic gift and this one is an apostolic uh, person and this one is a pastoral teacher and this one is a teaching pastor and this one is an evangelistic prophet. Hey man, I just need a faithful person. What is faithful? What is the meaning of the word faithful? Constant, dependable, trustworthy. Huh? always around reliable constant you get it now the last time I came I saw some of you right I saw Sammy at that meeting and I saw most of you here you get it and I'm seeing you here again now I hope when I go you are seen <laughs> that's also important <laughs> Because maybe you just showed up because I was coming. But from, from what I see, many of you here are faithful. Now, that's, that's what we need. That's what we need. Now, somebody said, but I'm a woman. Yeah. Haven't we talked about 20 types of power and might that are not necessary? Or is it 10 types? Things, things. 10 types of human power. That we, that we don't really need to do the ministry. Amen. Amen. For instance, I have a, a pastor who pastors one of our big branches in Accra. Who's a woman? She's unmarried. She's, she's not a married woman. And she just pastors a church. Oh yeah. And the church is working. People come and, and you should see her people. Men. And she ministers, and it's the anointing that makes the difference. 
Really, it's the anointing that makes the difference. So, brothers and sisters, I want you to know when God is looking for somebody, He is looking for somebody who's faithful. Now, just let me just look at let's look at myself. Let's say I'm not faithful. Now, God has given me so much. Now, I am in charge of so many things, which is God's work on earth. Then I start now. I I start to change into other things and I start to say okay now we are going to build a museum you know to uh, to remember what uh, uh, medicine how medicine uh, is related to the church and we are going to spend three million dollars doing that what is that you get it so faithful means constant constantly doing the same thing and I'm preaching. You see, what I'm preaching to you, you must know that I preach it over and over and over and over and over. And I'm preaching it over and over and over and over to you. What am I doing? I'm being faithful, constant. It's like God looks at it. He knows that he, this guy is going to come and teach them church growth, mega church, be loyal, blah, blah, blah. The same thing. He's going to teach it. He's going to be faithful. Even if he's tired, he's going to be faithful mm-hmm. with it. And that's what God wants. He wants people who are going to be faithful. Listen, I don't go. I cannot go everywhere. I cannot go everywhere. I can't be everywhere. Hey, man, I don't know when I'm coming back to Canada. You get what I'm saying? I don't know when I'm going to come back here. Even my camp, the camp meeting in, um, in uh, what do you call it, in uh, November. I have a program in Barranquilla and Colombia from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then I fly on Monday morning. Flight is at 10 o'clock. I get to New York at 4. No, the flight is at 9. I get to New York at 4. 3.34. Camp starts that day. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Friday, I fly to Kuala Lumpur for a program to start another meeting with Assemblies of God Pastors in Malaysia. Kuala Lumpur. Then I come back to Canada. So, the time that I'll be here, bah! you see, sometimes people see you, say, oh, he travels all over the world, he's enjoying himself, he's having a good time. You are here with me. You get it? I'm having a good time, I'm happy. I mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm blessed. Amen. But I mean, I, I don't have time for shopping, I don't have time for anything. I just come and I just go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Are you here or you've decided to go back home? Yeah. And I'm saying, I'm sharing with you and I'm telling you that I don't know when I'm going to come back here. You are here. So I just hope you will be faithful. And you'll be constant. And you'll be reliable. And I can depend on you. And if I can't depend on you, then I would not want to have much to do with you. Because at the moment I turn away, everything is going to collapse. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So what I really need is, I don't need a prophetic evangelist. And I don't need a pastoral evangelist. I don't need an evangelistic teacher. All I need is a faithful mother. And that's all I need. I need a faithful sister. I need people who are going to be faithful to me, faithful to God, faithful to your pastor. I need a pastor who is here who is faithful to God, faithful to me. Simple peace of mind. That's all. And that is why a key to having a mega church is faithfulness. Look, you see all those problems that the, uh, all nations and all those things churches have had. Man, we don't need all those things. Okay? I said we don't need all those things here. And we can't have it. And we don't want it. And we reject it. 
We don't want stories, a pastor this, this one is done that, and this is that, and that. Hey, man! We don't have time for these things. Yeah, souls are perishing. If you don't like us, be outside and we'll be inside. We want to work for God and want to do our best. If you think we are bad people, be at where you think is good and be there. But don't be in the church and spoil the church. All we need is faithful, faithful people. Loyal people. Amen? Amen. Are you listening to me? Amen. Amen. So, I want you to decide and know how important loyalty is. And you as a church and shepherds must be able to detect loyalty. must be able to smell it. This is not good. I can smell it. Something bad here. You must be able to detect orangus. Do you know what an orangu is? You must be able to see them when they start talking. You must know that, man, this is an orangu spirit that is walking around here. You must be able to see it from afar. I said, look, we don't need it. All we need to do, you see this book by Rick Joyner, you will see the demons marching on. And the demons were marching on Christians. And the weapons which the demons were using were what? One was treachery. Treachery is the uttermost part of, uttermost uh, highest form of disloyalty. That treachery was what Judas did. Treachery is what Absalom did when he fought against his father. Treachery is what Ahithophel did when he betrayed his uh, king, David. Treachery is disloyalty, intimidation, slander, accusations, backbiting, fault finding. Go read that book, page one and page two. You see that beautiful vision fantastic display of what is happening in the realm of the spirit the devil is attacking the church he's attacking 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 and as he attacks the church he's using not witchcraft not occultic powers not the powers of the mazarot and the pleiades do you know what the mazarot is and the pleiades they are a constellation of stars these are not what they are using against us. They are using fault finding, backbiting. Hey, brother, don't spend your time finding my faults. Every time you point at me, one finger is pointing at me, but three fingers are pointing back at you. So you better just concentrate on getting yourself right with God. And don't concentrate on finding my faults. I have faults, and so do you. So let's just concentrate on serving the Lord and making it. Amen. And let's keep the slander, keep the backbiting, keep the fault finding, keep it out. I spoke to a pastor, a friend of mine, who had been in this All Nations Church. I used to know him many years ago. And then I spoke to him and I said, how are you? He said, fine. He said, where, where are you now? He said, oh yeah. Then he started, you know, I was in this church. I said, oh, okay. So how's the church? Ah, oh, you see the pastor... You know, he said, he said, your pastor is not uh, this and uh, he's like this. Immediately I saw. Can you already see? Yeah. Immediately. He said, this loyal spirit of a person. And as I looked at him, I, I, I understood why he was amounting to nothing himself in the ministry. He himself was nothing. People who criticize become nothing and are nothing. Have you seen me criticizing anybody since I came to preach to you? Which church do I criticize? I don't criticize churches. I don't criticize. Even people who have 
falling into all kind of problems. So I don't criticize them. I'd rather be on their side. Me, I'm always on the side of the people who are down. In fact, God's nature, you know, have you ever watched a football match and a side was losing and you were on their side? That thing is, that thing is God's nature in you. To be on the side of the weak and the underdog. To be on the side of that which is losing and you want to help them to win. Justin, Justin, have you experienced that before? You were on the side. You wanted them to win. You know? Yeah. That thing is God's nature in you that makes you want to help that which is down and which is going down. Amen. I don't criticize churches. I don't criticize pastors. I feel all churches, including the Catholic Church, Methodism, all these people have contributed and are contributing still to the cause of the gospel. No matter how much or how little, they are doing something for which we are grateful. They are also doing our part. Amen. Amen. Are you listening to me? Yeah. Yeah. So what I am saying is, loyalty is a key. And you people must be, you must be fiercely loyal. Fiercely. Unflinchingly loyal. You must be loyal to me. You must be loyal to your pastor, Andy, Pastor Larry, Pastor uh, Kojo and Alberta and Barbara. You must be loyal to your shepherds. You must be loyal to yourselves. You must be loyal to one another. Hey man, if you get into a problem, I'm going to be on your side or you don't know Nadia. Yeah, I'm on your side. When we start the game, I'm on your side. I don't even need to know the rules. I'm on your side. Straight away before we start playing. Amen. Hey man, that's where we start the thing from. We, we are not condoning anything wrong, but we start from a certain point of view and we work on. People come and say, hey, do you know that this guy is doing this? And we say, hey, look, when the person is for me and from my inside of my house, I will stand and I will not defend anything that is wrong. When I go back to Ghana now, there's a big problem that is coming up somewhere. Big one. Not in our church, but in another church. But I'm involved because because I'm going to just help. I'm just going to take my face there and say, add me to the fight. He's our brother. You can't, you can't, you can't mow him down. You can't destroy him. We believe in him. And we are standing with him. That's, that's my stand. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. That's the starting point of the whole game. I'm not going to sacrifice my brother, my friend to the press and to unbelievers. Man. Man. I said, me. I will sacrifice you. Don't sacrifice me. You've got to be loyal to one another. If I come next time and uh, God forbid, Nakoshi is having a child with an unbeliever, I'm not going to throw her out of the house. No, 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 no. I'm not saying do it. I'm not saying do it. Don't do it. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in saying that grace may abound? No. no we don't continue but we don't condemn one another amen and what is ours is ours your brother is always your brother even if he's in prison when Jim Baker have you heard of Jim Baker went to prison he said it he said the only person who visited him was Billy Graham he's the only one who took his face and came out to the prison and visited him and there he was amongst homosexuals he was bathing with these guys he had to scrub the place 
you know, the, 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 the inmates would come and their wives would, or whatever girlfriends would come and he would, the people would masturbate onto the wall and pour the semen all over the place there. And he was made to scrub all these things and he was made to, <laughs> oh man. He was brought to the lowest. He was brought to prison as a common thief. And at the end of it all, it was proved that he, he was not wrong. He, wasn't, he hadn't done anything wrong. He suffered all that. And the only person who came to him there was Billy Graham. Hey, brother, I would rather like to have a friend who is with me in time of trouble. I believe that is the most important quality of a friend. And, and you win. I must be loyal to you because you are going to need me. Mark it, you are not yet 40. By the time you are 40, you'll know what I'm saying. That's why you'll be qualified to be a president. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You need me and I'll need you. You need me and I'll need you. Amen. And so it is one of the most important qualities that we need to have loyalty. I must be fiercely loyal to pastor. I have so many pastors. People can, you yourself, you know, you can't come to me and tell me, ah, we want to tell you something. Uh, pastor Andy is this. You can't. No, it doesn't, it doesn't work in our system. It doesn't work that way. You want to come to me, and that's how some people do. They come, and then this one says, yeah, this, and this one comes behind the back, whispering this, whispering that. Hey, man. 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 You can't spoil the church. What do you want to start? What do you want to start lighting fires all over the place? Man. <laughs> it's not going to work. God has given me too much wisdom for that. I've had it many times. People want to try. Say, brother, not, not here. We don't work that way. Amen. Hallelujah. So, loyalty is a key qualification. Pastor, could you, did you get that? Is a qualification very important? Huh? There's a quality you need to be not evangelistic prophet or prophetic pastor or prophetic teacher. Just faithful. It's required. That's all I want from Jocelyn. Amen. 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 Just faithful. All right. Number two. That's the first reason. Number two. The second reason why loyalty is important is in order to be able to fight the fifth column. You know that. Then. To fight the what? Fifth column. You know what that is? Okay. The general was just moving outside among his tanks, troops, and all that. And there was this young man who came visiting. And this young man asked. And he was like, so what is, what is the strategy? How are you going to take the city? So he asked the general, are you going to use the tanks? He asked the other one. And then the general laughed. He asked the man, are you going to use your paratroopers? You know what paratroopers are? You jump, you drop them in, and then they parachute, they get there. I said, no, 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 not at all. And he asked, are you going to use your cruise missiles? 
you know, some far going bomber city. And the general just laughed. He said, No, no, no. He said, I need the city to be intact when I get there. Otherwise, I have fought for nothing. You get it, bomb up the whole place. You just, you just win dust. Who wants to win dust? So the guy said, No, no, no. That's not what I'm planning to do. So he asked him, Are you just going to use the raw, the soldiers, just to attack head on like that? And the, and, the, and the general said, no, that's too costly. I'll lose too many men. So he asked them, how are you going to win this battle? And the man said, oh, the fifth column. Fifth column? And the, the general said, but I know you've got four columns of troops or four battalions. Where's the fifth one? He said, oh. He's inside the city. I have people inside. They are inside already. He said, they will just open the gate for me. I'm moving in. I have the orangus in the city dispersed and aspersed throughout the whole place. That's my fake column. And so the general just was relaxed. He was just relaxed. He's waiting for his guys to telephone him that, you know, they've killed so-and-so, opened the doors, and that's it. None of these in neither paratroopers neither gliders, bombers, cruise missiles, tankers, troops. It's the people inside who are going to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, the devil's attack on the church is not from gliders, paratroopers, tankers. It's just the fifth column inside the church. And God is giving us wisdom to fight that fifth column. Marvel, amen. Do you think so? Yeah. And God has given us the wisdom to fight. Because if the devil is going to attack us, he's not going to attack from outside. I mean, come on, the church is too strong. Listen, in, in the military, if you go to war and your enemy is too strong and too big and too formidable, you have to regroup and come up with a new idea how to fight them. Are you, are you not in the army? Huh? No more in the army. Is anybody else in the army? Are you in the army? Have you not been in the army before? Oh, okay. Anybody else here in the army? Okay. Now, if you're going to fight in the army, right, um, and if the person, the group you're fighting is very strong, you can't take them on head on. You have to go back and resort to other methods to deal with your enemy. Are you understanding me? Yes. Now, take the U.S. Army, for instance. Who can fight with the U.S. Army? Nobody. Who can fight with Israel? In the Middle East? Nobody. So, they have resorted to another kind of warfare. Just put on their gorilla thing. They put on their bombs on them. And they just walk with you. And, Hello, how are you? Oh! And they explode. Kill 20. That's all. There are, I have a, a soldier in my church who was working in, in, in Israel. He said to me, there is a queue of people ready to be suicide bombers. There's long list. It is something. It's an honor. They will look after your wife and your children for life. There's a long queue of people who are ready to do that. When I went to Israel, I went to the Wailing Wall. And I asked the guy who was taking me there, why are there so many soldiers here? And he told me, he said, oh, you know, the Palestinians, they just walk up 
to you like that. And they just explode and kill all the soldiers in the midst of the Israeli soldiers. Terrible. Terrible. But you see, the Israelis are so strong. Israel has nuclear weapons. Israel has cut missiles. Israel has patriot... Uh, what do you call it? Patriot whatever. The ones that stop the scud missiles in the air. Patriot missiles, is it? Yeah, Patriot missiles. They have, they have all these. So man, you can't just take them up like that. The devil can't take up the church just head on. We'll come in the name of Jesus. We apply the blood of the lamb. We employ angelic powers and supernatural forces on our behalf. We, we use prayer. We use intercessory power. We use intercession. I mean, we use the name of Jesus. Man, there's no weapon. Bible says the weapons are mighty through God. So they're pulling down our strong. So the devil has decided not to take us on directly. So he has implanted people in the church who are going, who are working from within and who look very nice, righteous with a lot of good reasons for what they are doing. And those people will be used by the devil to spoil the church. And that is why if we are going to build, you have to stop the thing that is going to divide the church. Because when the devil is coming against us, he will let you build, then he will divide you. He will let you build, then he will take away this part here. You build, and then he will take away this part here. Uh, uh, ben goes with that group. Uh, what's the name? New, your name. Michael comes and takes away this section. Pastor Larry comes and goes away with that section. What is he left with? Nothing. He's working for nothing. This was happening to many of the churches. I spoke to one pastor. He said to me, I would have 50,000 members in this city if it were not for disloyalty. <laughs> yeah. He has had Orangu after Orangu. Orangu after Orangu. He said to me, I would have 50,000 members in this city if it were not for disloyalty. In fact, I called him. He launched this book for me. And he said, when he took up the book, he said, I don't want to talk about loyalty or disloyalty. Otherwise, I will be emotional. He said, I don't want to talk about loyalty or disloyalty. Otherwise, I will be emotional. He said it. He said, I would have 50,000 members if it were not for disloyalty. <laughs> and Pastor David Young, which was pastor of the largest church, he said he's always praying against division in his church. Because you build and they take it away. You build and they take it away. And you need to have a strong leadership with strong principles of loyalty working. How did Satan attack Jesus' ministry? Pastor who? Judas. You wouldn't call your child Judas, did you? We've all stopped naming children Judas. We call them Peter, Bartholomew, Michael, this, but not Judas. Not Judas. Huh? Pastor Iscariot. No, not Judas. <laughs> not Judas. 
and, 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 and so you know what? You know what this tells us? This tells us, this tells us something. It is telling us, be careful of disloyalty in the church. Not just be careful. Of, oh, I know. Satan is going to come through somebody. No, be careful for yourself. Because the devil will try to use one of us. Ejewa, in it. Have you seen it? Not yet. Very good. Do you think the devil would like to use you? You rebuke that in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. But you know, I pray for you that you will never be used by the devil. You know, recently there was a, a brother whom I saw the devil was trying to use him. And I said to myself, okay, I'll just let him. But I'm, I have seen it destroy many people. Let's just let's, let's go through a quick run through. Judas, how did he end? Uh, Absalom. How, how did he hang him? Hung himself, caught in a tree, cut off a head. Ahitophel. Ahitophel was a presidential advisor on security affairs or whatever. Okay, And he turned against David just when David was in trouble. All right. What, what, what do you call that? How did he? Ahitophel. He killed himself. Lucifer thrown down out of heaven and he's on his way to hell um, Joab was killed executed Adonijah Adonijah was not supposed to be the king he tried to be the king instead of Solomon tried to be the pastor when he was not the pastor Adonijah he was also killed executed hey man Shimei another guy who was insulting David when he was in trouble huh Abishai. What are the people that we chose about? Abishai. Abishai wanted to cut off his head, isn't it? <laughs> Me. I'm going to call my dog Abishai. I'm going to get a dog called Abishai. It's a powerful name. Abishai, the, the Hittite or what? Wow, powerful guy. Amen? Are you listening to me? Yes. Now, this brother was about to become disloyal. And I wanted to take it up and just leave him. And then God spoke to me in the evening and said to me, I should prevent this guy from becoming some way if I love him. I should fight to prevent it for his own sake, for his sake. Not for my sake, but for his sake. And I said, Lord, I will do that. So I made certain moves to try to just protect him from destroying himself. Amen. Justin, if you get married and your husband wants to be disloyal, do not follow him into disloyalty. You see, wives sometimes behave like fools when their husbands are off on a foolish course. They just say, yeah, anyway, it's my head and I must be a fool. If he is going to kill himself or is going to kill whatever, do you just follow him? This is, this is a, a part of the world where we don't just follow things. How come when it comes to that, you are following? You must learn and decide, I'm going to be loyal, whatever it takes.
to the very end. Can I have an amen? amen. Can I have an amen? amen? Very good. So the fifth column, you shall not be the fifth column. Amen. Now listen, 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 listen. Very, very important. A friend of mine used to tell me, are you there? He said, if, huh? if, are you there? Are you there? If Jesus had 12 disciples and one of them became a Judas, what does it mean? It means by all means there's going to be Judas. Because even Jesus with his best form of selection still had a Judas. So it looks like there is going to be Judas. So now what we need to do is to pray about it and to avoid it and make sure that you do not become the Judas. Because there will be. One time I was speaking to a senior minister in, in, in Accra and he said to me, he looked at me and he pointed his finger at me and said, let me tell you something. No matter what kind of leadership principles you are using, and no matter what kind of strategies you are using, I want you to know that you are not greater than Jesus. If Jesus had a Judas, you will have a Judas too. When he said that, I said, man, I didn't like the sound of it. Because I thought that, you know, I'm using good strategies and select the people very carefully and, you know, be careful about who becomes a pastor and be very wise and so on and select the handpick and so on. And he pointed his finger at me and said, no matter what kind of leadership principles you are using and strategies, let me tell you, you are not greater than Jesus. If Jesus had a Judas, you will have because you are not greater than your master. It's not nice to hear that, but it was true. And it came to pass exactly. I had one just by me. When the Judas appeared, I went to bed for two weeks. I said, I got sick for two weeks. Serious. I had a Judas once. I got sick for two weeks. I couldn't believe it was happening. I said to myself that uh, if I had had a very bad dream, you know, sometimes you have a dream, a crocodile is chasing you, you cross a river, when you cross, there's a big snake there, you turn back, the crocodile is also coming, and then something is coming from up, an eagle is coming to pick you from the water, and then you wake up. And I was saying to myself, if I had had a bad dream, I would not have dreamt of what this guy did. It wouldn't have happened. You know, a dream crack can be limited by your mind. It wouldn't have happened like that. And when this guy started to manifest, I said, man, but you see, I'm not greater than Jesus. If Jesus was a good person, and he was accused so much to the point where he was put to death by the masses, and the majority decided and felt it was the right thing to put him to death, then no matter who you are and what strategies you use, you will and must have an experience of somebody and something like Judas Iscariot in your life along the way. And it comes, it happens, no matter how good you are. I was surprised when Kojo was telling me about Rick Joyner's vision. And how there are people who are saying so many bad things about that book, The Final Quest. There's a website dedicated to that. Eh? Yeah. Several websites dedicated just to Rick Joyner. And to say that he's a bad person. It's amazing. Kenneth Hagin, I've 
thought he was such a good person, and I still do. And I, I went somewhere and I was talking. I just mentioned to this pastor. I was in Geneva. I was in Geneva with this pastor in his office. And he said to me, I said, I mentioned Kenneth Hagin. He said, Kenneth Hagin? Really? He said, excuse me. He got up. American guy. He went to his bookshop. And he said, I've got a book I want you to see. And he showed it to me. The book is called Another Gospel. A big fat book like that. About this size. About this size. You know what the book is about? The book is only about Kenneth Hagin. How he's a false pastor and a false teacher. Somebody has the time to write and publish such a book. And you know what? He said, I'll give you some more copies. And when they brought me about two more copies, another gospel, I took them. When I read that book, I suddenly saw more supernatural things about Papa Hagen and began to believe in him more. (laughs) Never be an orangu. That pastor, today, he's not a pastor. The last time I heard of him, he was in prison for having beaten his wife. The next time I heard of him, he had divorced his wife and his children were whatever. The next time I heard of him, his wife was moving around with a boyfriend somewhere. Brothers and sisters, don't be a critic and a fault finder. Every one finger you point has three backwards at you. You are pointing a bullet at somebody. Three bullets are coming back towards you. Amen? Are you still there? Yeah? Very, 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 very important. Okay? All right. Yes, question. Okay, give me some volume, right, brother? Uh, can I talk about um, more of like the wife? Okay. Now, with, with that, right, it, it, it is a subject we call Abigailism. Have you heard of Abigailism? Huh? You have, so you know it. Abigailism is the art of being married to a fool successfully. <laughs> is the art of being married to a fool successfully. Now ladies, many of you here may end up being more spiritual than your husbands. It's one of the commonest things to have is to be more spiritual than your husband. Now, you're going to have to know how to balance wisdom, being married, and God. And what I can tell you is, you must have a principle, the principle of God first. If you follow your husband when he is doing foolish things and deciding on things, and you are passive, or you follow him, or you agree with him, or you encourage him, always remember that when the distraction comes, it's coming for both of you. Safirism is the act of foolishly following your husband into folly. 
Sapphirism. Have you heard of Sapphirism? Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira. Remember? They went and bought land. They sold it. And then they came. Nobody has asked you to bring the whole thing to the church. And they brought parts. And Ananias told his wife before they came that, look, these pastors, it seems they want to have everything we have. So let's give them only $4,000 instead of eight. So when they came to church, Ananias came along and said, Pastor Peter, we have $4,000 to the glory of God. And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie against the Holy Ghost? And suddenly, his heart was struck and he died, heart attack immediately. He was carried out. Now his wife had agreed with him and then meanwhile, the service was so long that it was long enough for his wife to finish what she was doing in town, come back. They had already, Ananas was dead. They had buried him. And she came to church. When she came to church, she also came and said, Oh, praise God, we, we had $4,000. And instead of 8000 we have 4000 To God be the glory for the great things he has done. And Peter said, These are the people who are coming to carry you to your grave. And she just died. And she went. When, when she, the one who agreed with her husband, who died? Both of them died. Both of them perished. Both of them ended their lives and their ministry together. Not just Ananias. Both of them. If you look at Abigail, Abigail realized that her husband was saying something wrong. And she said, I'm not going to agree to that. I will not agree to that. And so she went quietly behind his back and told David, listen, my husband has this problem. And this is the reality. My husband is a fool. Now, if you are going to be practice Abigailism, you are going to have to accept when your husband is wrong, that he is wrong. And not say, he is my husband, so he cannot be wrong. That's not true. Your husband can be wrong. Amen? Is that not so? Yes, your husband can be wrong. He can be a fool. In this case, he was a fool. His name was foolishness, and that was what he was. Nabal. Amen? And so in this case, he was wrong. And because he was wrong, Abigail agreed with the diagnosis and said, yes, you are wrong. Two, I will not follow you. Three, I will speak to the pastor privately and explain to him the situation. And four, I'll deal with him with reason. So when she gave David his gifts and so on, she came back to the house and Nabal had a party. This is the man who said he didn't have time or money to give to rebels. But he had enough money to have a party. The money that he would have used to give to David and to help those guys he was now using it to have a big party and he drank and drank and became so drunk 
that he had a heart attack. And the Bible says his heart became like a stone within him. And by the next morning, the next morning, Abigail told him what had happened. And his heart became like a stone within him. And he just had a heart attack and died. If Abigail had not done that, Susan, David would have attacked Abigail and her husband and everybody and killed all of them. So I'm just trying to say that anytime you don't agree with God, you end up being destroyed yourself. Have I answered your question? Not really. Yes. Well, I'll tell you, we have a case, we've had a case like that. We had a case where the husband was a Nabal. All right, and the wife was like, almost like a pastor. Right, and this guy was so much influenced by Satan that first he left the church, then he didn't mind his wife going to church. And after a while, he started, he said the wife was having affairs with the pastors, while the pastors were stealing the church money, blah. You can't imagine the stories that this guy had to say. Plenty galore. In the end, he would jump up and down in the house, go mad and say his wife should leave. Now, it came to a critical point for the wife. She had to choose. And her parents advised her for her children's sake, for her marriage's sake, she should just leave the church and be in her marriage. And that is what she decided to do. So she's left the church. She's left her ministry. And she's with her husband and with her children. At least her family is together. Is it right or wrong? Eternity will decide. I cannot tell somebody to divorce. I can't tell somebody. And I will never tell somebody to divorce. I'll tell you to do what you think is right. And after all, when you divorce, if you divorce, you're on your own. You come to church only on Sunday. When you go back from Monday to Friday, you'll be alone in the house. <laughs> <laughs> you be alone in the house from Monday to Friday. So, me, I can advise you. But, one day, if you get to heaven and your home ministry is collapsed, or you end up following your husband and backslide and go to hell, that one too is even worse. So, it may be better to even, if it means that the marriage is going to get spoiled, to do that. But that again, I cannot advise anybody to do that. I can only tell you what the word of God says. You have to decide what you want to do. I'm not in such a situation. So I don't see why I should be forced to take such a decision <laughs> hypothetically. <laughs> Years ago when I had to choose between my medical profession and the ministry, that was a hard decision. What would happen to my wife? What would happen to my children? Well, I took the decision and I said I'll go ministry line and forsake this and that. So I've taken my decision at that time. If somebody has having her own decision, please, brother, I cannot take a decision for the person. Whatever the person will do, he or she should do. I'm not God, and uh, I cannot advise what to do. I can only advise you to obey the word. Have I helped you? Yeah. So you cannot go back and say, Bishop says you should divorce if your husband is doing something wrong. Because I didn't say that. I advise you to do what you think is right. If you divorce, 
When you come to church, we will say hello to you in church, we will flow with you, behind. but after church, you go back home. And you will be alone at home. When you grow older, you will be alone. Your children will be affected by the divorce. And all that because of the church. Consider all those things. If you still want to do that, we, we are there. We will also tell you, the Bible says, don't divorce. <laughs> and I also tell you, the same Bible is telling you to go to heaven and to make sure you fulfill your ministry. So that one is a difficult thing. You, I can come up with any ideas now. Pray that you don't marry at Nabal. That's why you must think before you marry. Don't just marry because the person looks nice. He lives in Massachusetts, so you are going to marry him. He is tall, so you are going to marry him. You have some people getting married. They want to marry the person because the person has got a big size of something. Man, what has the big size got to do with life? <laughs> oh yeah, size, sizes, sizes of organs. Lower this thing a little bit. It's too high. You must have this size of organs. <laughs> <laughs> some of them they can see some of them they can't <laughs> some of them they are estimating <laughs> it's unfortunate why oh why superfly <laughs> you, if you are a man and you are marrying a woman because she has big breasts. Man! What are you going to do with a big breast? <laughs> After a while, you'll be bored with them. <laughs> it's a reality. That has nothing to do with your happiness. Amen. How do we get into that? No, no, no. How do we get into this? I was making a point. Yes, yes, yes. You must be careful with your mind. And you must take decisions based on important things. Not sizes of this or size of that. Man. That cannot give you happiness. He has a car. So you are going to marry him. Because he has a car. Because he went to the right school. What does the school have to do with it? Marry somebody who is yielded to the word. I'll tell you one thing. When you go along in marriage, I told you you can be a president when you are 40. When you marry somebody who is yielded to the word of God, the person has the capacity to be marriable when the storms come. Because when the issues come, which you can't understand or imagine what kind of problem is going to come, 
when you get there, because the person is yielded to the word, the word will guide the person as to what to do. That is why you just need to have somebody who is yielded to the word. That is one of the most important qualities. Of course, you must like the person, etc., 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 etc. And if you want big this and big that, go for that one too. And just add it to the yieldedness to the word. <laughs> yeah. And you don't go and say, I don't want this or I don't want What you want, get it. Otherwise, you will always be mad that, you know, I wanted a bigger one, I want this. I don't want. <laughs> Amen. Are you still around? Yeah. So, do not marry out of pressure. And ladies, when people are proposing to you, be humble. I feel that women develop in their physical bodies faster than their minds. I don't understand. So, when you see, meet a lady who is 37 years old, who is being proposed to, she will not say, I don't like his name. <laughs> I don't like his name. He's too short. He's too tall. He's too this. He, he, he picks his nose. If he picks his nose, if he picks his nose, you can just tell him to stop. <laughs> and he will stop. You can just tell him to stop and he will stop. Amen. When you meet a, a mature, more mature lady and she's taking decisions, she take them very differently from these young ones. I don't like his name. He's too. I remember one lady, a very nice brother here, his height. His height is not right. I said, man. And then in the end, she went to marry an unbeliever whose height was worse in relation to her. Later on, the husband was jumping on the maid in the house. Oh, yeah. But when I heard, I said, well, this is what they want. When you come, say, he's height, he's not my type, he has this, his nose is that, he has got this on his face. He said, man. What do all those things have to do with happiness? So choose well, and you are not going to find yourself in Abigail's. When Abigail was getting married, did she not know the name of her husband? When they were saying the vows, I, Abigail, take thee foolishness to be my husband. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, back to loyalty. Reason number three. For the love of God to fill the church. Amen. Amen. The next reason why we need loyalty is so that the love of God will fill the church. John thirteen thirty five. Ejewa eight one eight one eight one Romans eight one. Oh, I gave you people a whole hour. 
Nadia ate one. Not. Who knock? Who walk? Not after. Okay. Right now, John thirteen thirty five. By this shall all men know that what you are my disciples if you have love one to another amen amen now do you know that there needs to be love in the church hmm? why what does love do love is a nice thing everyone is attracted to love Love is such a beautiful thing. Is that not so? Have you noticed how people come to weddings always happy, hopeful? People whose marriages have not worked, they all come for weddings. They laugh during the proposal of toast. They clap when the cake is being cut. They sing when the songs are being sung. They sing the hymns. They laugh when the bows are being said. They throw part of their graffiti is it graffiti no no graffiti confetti they throw it around they are happy why are they happy because love is such a beautiful thing love is a nice attractive thing no matter how many bad experiences you've had look a, a couple most of the time are very much in love with themselves on and around their wedding days would you agree with me Sometimes they quarrel a bit when they are coming to the wedding. So, but basically, they are in love. I mean, the, the quarrels are more out of frustration, not out of, you know, not, not being happy with each other. So those quarrels are, I mean, acceptable. But everyone comes to see them wearing a white dress and all that and being happy. Because love is a beautiful thing. Say it after me, love is such a beautiful thing. Amen. Larry, is that not so? Larry, were you there man, for my 10-year wedding? Okay. I had another wedding. You know, I've had two weddings. I had another wedding with my wife. And I plan to have another one. Oh, yeah. It's nice to have weddings. Be happy. Don't you want to be happy? Yeah. Hey, man. People came to church. Why? Because love is such a beautiful thing. It's attractive. It's pleasant. It's sweet. It's nice. Love. People don't come to weddings because of marriage. Marriage has a lot of pain. Marriage has a lot of questions. Marriage has a lot of unanswered questions. They come to weddings, not to marriages. People attend weddings and not marriages. People are happy to come for the wedding. They are like grandparents or some grandparents. You have a child, they will take the grandchildren when the children are being nice. As soon as the children become not, send it back to the, the parents. Amen. Are you listening to me? They come for the nice thing and they are there because love is such a beautiful thing. So try to stay in love if you are in love. I said try to stay in love 
in love after being married. Now, are you still around? A church which has love is a beautiful church. A church which has unity and which has loyalty is such a beautiful thing like a wedding and it's very attractive to people. So if we want to have a big church, a mega church, then a large church, we should always remember that loyalty, which also turns out as love, amen, is such a beautiful thing. As your people in this city see how Pastor Andy and Barbara relate with Pastor Larry and Edna, you get it? And they are flowing as friends and Pastor Kojo and Alberta in Vancouver and with you people, the shepherds, and you are like a family. You get it? People are attracted because there's a lot of places where there's no peace. People don't know how to convert unhappiness into peace. It never ends. And so a church where you can find peace I've come and you are not angry with me. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I'm not angry with you. A church where you don't hate me. And I don't hate you. I love you and you love me. You are happy to see me. you understand? It's a very nice thing and it's not a common thing. And so we must preach loyalty and love. And love one another by this. I said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love, not anointing, love, one to another. Can I have an amen? amen. Can I have a better amen? amen? How many think that love is an important thing? Why is love important? Joycelyn, it's a beautiful thing. Love is such a beautiful thing. How many heard that song before? Love is such a beautiful... Those of you who used to go to discos. Or is it a Christian song? There's a Christian version by the Winans. And that was my favorite song during my wedding. My second wedding. Love is such a beautiful thing. Man! Just to be happy. Make yourselves happy. Spend money on yourself. When I go out of here, spend money on yourselves. Yeah. I told Pastor Andy, I sat in a very old car that he had said, spend money and buy a, a, a car. <laughs> Amen. Buy a car for your wife. Be happy. Why are we working? Why are we working? What are we doing? Amen. Are you, do you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> There's a time you've got to relax and spend some money on yourself and celebrate life. God sent not his son to condemn us. That's a good point. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. I think Christians should have weddings every few years. 
What is the word wedding? I checked that from the dictionary. It means celebration of marriage. Are you married? Celebrate it. Be happy. I'd like to have at least five weddings before I die. Oh yeah. Wear the white dress, put on the clothes. Once people are not tired of attending, I'll not be tired of doing it. Sounds odd, isn't it? But it's a good thing. I said it's a good thing. Amen. So spend money on yourselves. Be happy. And of course, those of you who always spend money on yourselves, you must also relax a bit. And not overspend. Otherwise, your problem will come into your pocket. You develop pocketitis. Alright. Okay, now... Sheep only drink from still waters. Write that down. That's the next reason why it is important to have loyalty. Hmm. Now, if you were a sheep, can you tell me to Ezekiel 34? Have you found it? Is it getting hot? Huh? It's getting hot, isn't it? Just open the doors at the back for a few seconds. The air conditioner will just... I'm getting hot, man. Is that all? And there's a door. You know, just open the door wide for just a few minutes. When the cold air comes, then we close it again. No, this one on the right. The doors are open. Wow. Sandra, come right to the front. Is it cold? I want to keep you. I now know what to do to make you stay away. God has shown me. Wow. Okay, Ezekiel 34. When we finish reading the scripture, we'll close the door. Are you there? Let's read verse 18. What does it say? Ready, go. Together, go. You must file the residue. Now, what, what did these sheep do? What did they do? They ate up the good pasture. Then after that, what did they do? Read it. Because if you don't read it, we won't close the door. They filed the residue with their feet. And the next one. They drank up. And after that. They filed the residue with their feet. Okay. Now you can close the door. <laughs> this is what you call natural air conditioning. I think you should close that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Sammy. Now read Psalm twenty-three, or maybe you can. The Lord is my shepherd. Next verse. Yes. 
Beside what? Still or murky, troubled, turbulent sheep drink from still waters. Now, when the sheep come to the church and the church, the, the waters are muddy and they are turbulent, the sheep will not drink from those waters. Amen. Is that not so? Is that not so? Ben, is that not so? So when they come to the church and instead of calm, still waters, they can see some movement in the water. Some crocodile, something dangerous there. They go away. So whenever people come to the church and they see shaky waters, you get it? Things that are not clear. It looks like there's trouble somewhere. They are scared. And they go back. And that is why we need to create a still water atmosphere. Amen. Amen. How many want a still water atmosphere? Now, all nations shared, you think it has a still water atmosphere? From what you see from outside. Huh? So-so. What is so-so? I don't know the church, but I hear so many things. I don't, I'm not even interested. But it's like, what is that? As you're going, the church looks like a turbulent place with a lot of issues. And that makes sheep not go there. And we want to keep such atmospheres away from the church. Can I have an amen? Very good. Next one is what? To have a large team of pastors. To have a large team of pastors. The next one is to have a long-lasting ministry. And the last one, how many want to have a long-lasting ministry? Huh? All right. Jesus Christ ministered for how long? Three and a half years. Is that not so? Then he extended his ministry through a team of loyal workers. Is that not so? Now, I come here to Toronto and I minister to you for just a few hours. Hours. Is that not so? But now the ministry lasts longer than a few hours. How? Through a team of loyal workers like Ernest and Ben and William. Amen. Sammy Ennen. Nadia, what do you think? It's a good idea, isn't it? I don't have to I don't have to live here for long. Jesus knew that he didn't have to live here. Jesus knew that if he stayed longer and longer, I mean, if you had to turn into an ant to save the ants in your house, you know that it's a very dangerous thing because somebody can easily press you or wipe you away. So for Jesus to turn into a human being and come on this earth, it was a very dangerous thing to do. After three and a half years, he just checked out. Hallelujah. You and I must decide, hallelujah, 
to spend more to, to become more and more loyal and to build up a team who can do God's work in this land. We don't need Jesus to be here forever. I don't need him to be here forever. I just need to visit occasionally. I don't even need to come here every year. I'm sure that time come, I wouldn't come here every year. I don't know, but it's true. Oh, you don't think so? You'd like me to come. I'd like to come too. When I go back to Ghana, I'm going to cancel a whole lot of programs. Just so that I can wait on the Lord. Hey, brothers. We can do more for God by being like Jesus. Minister short, small, leave the rest to the loyal team. Didi, what do you think? Are you tired? You're all right? Good. Amen. The next one is in order to have a full reward. Hallelujah. Now, what are the things that Jesus will say? Well done, good and what does faithful mean? Loyal, constant, stable, reliable, dependable person. Is that not so? So God, Jesus will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. All right. Let's stand to our feet. We finished with that key. Loyalty. Hmm. I want us to just commit ourselves to God in a moment and want to pray and say, Lord, let your will be done in our church, our ministry. Give us a loyal team who are going to rise up and do your will like never. Ask the Lord to touch you and use you as a loyal worker. Like Jesus came for just a few years, three years, and he left the work to his loyal team who have carried out the ministry for 2,000 years. Lift up your hand and just commit yourself. Lord, if you can use anything, use me in that capacity.